In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Wright. This is very, very important podcast, special emergency podcast. It's when news comes down, uh, the social medias of baseball got broken on Thursday night because a big trade happened in February. Sam Dykstra, you have to be our lifeline to this because like, when we see the, first of all, congratulations, Orioles. Orioles fans, Orioles players, Orioles everybody for having the best two days in the history of baseball. Um, but but when this came down, Corbin Burns is traded to the Orioles when, in a move that everybody was waking, waiting for, the, the type of move everybody was waiting for the Orioles to make. And everyone's like, well, what's Michael Elias made of? What's he going to do? Is he ever going to do this? Well, he did. He traded some of these. Some the 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 wealth of their uh, unbelievable farm system, high end wealth for a guy in Corbin Burns. But there's no better person to give the reality check to what this is than our guy, MLB Pipeline Sam Dykstra, who who makes us look smarter every time he's on. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate. Yeah, it. no, thanks for having me, Rob. It's, it's always fun to be on here with you, especially oh. in an emergency situation like this. I, it's, it's really, I mean, I feel like you, I, I, when I say, when I say that you make us look smart, you'd make us look smarter. It, it's easy to do the, the Google searches when a trade like this happens and, and say, Hey, or look at the rankings, but really like we have to know exactly what is giving, given up because there are teams who didn't make this trade, who you want to say, well, why didn't you make this trade? What was what was uh, the equivalent to what the Orioles gave up? Um, and this gives a pretty good idea. So I'll start here, Sam. When you saw the trade, guttural reaction, what was it? That the Orioles finally did it. <laughs> I mean, this is the move we have been waiting for for so long from this organization. They had a clear need at the top of the rotation. I mean, I like the pieces that they have for sure. And I think Grayson Rodriguez can be a future ace, but like they needed that one guy who said, this is the number one. This is the guy we want getting the ball on opening day, game one of an LDS an LCS a world series because world series on the table now. And they pulled it off and they pulled it off doing what I thought they always would, which was dipping into their infield depth by trading Joey Ortiz, DL Hall, um, Another guy who has been a top 100 prospect. He's not on our list just because he's graduated. But again, another guy who's kind of excess to them. Like he hadn't cracked the rotation. It wasn't clear what his role was going to be moving forward. This doesn't hurt the Orioles one bit. 
Yes, they gave up the 34th overall pick, and and they've constantly been building through the draft. So that might hurt a little. We don't know who that player is yet by any means, but it does hurt their signing pool in the meantime. But I don't, I don't look at the Orioles after this deal and being like, oh, man, they really paid through the nose for this. Like, they are a better team right now, and they still are loaded with prospects. They didn't trade in in their top five guys. Like, they're, they're still really built well. I mean, Mike Elias must be doing cartwheels this morning. When you look at when you look at this, did you like? Okay, so let's go back to the, we we hope the Orioles make this trade because that's we hope that we that we do it at the trade deadline, and maybe it was because the ownership group. I don't know, maybe whatever it was, maybe it was the asking price. But when we say going in this offseason and say we know the Orioles need a top of the rotation starter, and we know they need, they have the prospects to do it. Okay, Corbin Burns makes a lot of sense. This is what you're going to have to give up for Corbin Burns. If I said that to you, like what would what would you have said without knowing these names? If I if I did the who says no fake trade for Corbin Burns from Sam Dykstra, what did you what would it be for you? Yeah, I think it was definitely going to be at least one top 100 name. So I was thinking like a Kobe Mayo or a Colton Cowser, guys who we have ranked higher. Um, I don't Deal Hall wouldn't have surprised me. Um, but it probably would have been two top 100 caliber prospects who were blocked. So maybe somebody like Kowser plus Kerstad or Mayo plus Joey Ortiz. Like all of these guys not named Jackson Holiday, I would think would have been on the board for the Orioles, even though it's a one-year rental. I get that. They're only getting him for one year. But this is the year that the Orioles should be pushing for the World Series. So I was not surprised that they were willing to make a deal. I think they gave up a little bit lesser names, but more of them. To, to make it happen. But the idea that other teams could do this, other teams are not as steep as the Orioles. This is, this is not a team that every, or this is not a deal that every team could do. You tell me again, Joey Ortiz, what, what number was he for you guys? He was number 63 for us. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so the reality is, and how many guys be uh, from the Orioles system ranked be- in front of him? So we, when we did our list, we had six of them, uh, and all five, he was sixth. He was sixth on the top. That's incredible. So the, all of their top five are still intact. So that's the thing, right? That's what's incredible. I mean, you have what was it? The who you have some teams who didn't have the Astros didn't, didn't have anybody, or did they? The Astros are the only team that didn't have a top. The 100. only buddy that didn't have anybody. So you have a team that doesn't have anybody in the top 100. And then you have a team that has five guys in front of a guy in the 60s. And so, yes, we all knew that this was like, this is the lot in life for the Orioles. But, but still, wow, wow. I mean, it's just, so let me ask you this. How good is Joey Ortiz? This is what we have to know. It's, we knew that, like you said, Jackson Holiday wasn't getting traded. We've heard these other names, Mayos or or Kerstads. Obviously, he's been on the podcast. Kowser. Um, we've heard all these names, and, and we aren't even talking about the guys in the major leagues. How good is Joey? How good do you think Joey Ortiz is going to be? Yeah, I think Joey Ortiz could be a very solid regular in Milwaukee. And I really actually kind of like this fit uh, because you look at the Brewers right now, they have Willie Adamas, who has also been rumored to be on the trade block this offseason at shortstop. Really good defensive shortstop can hit a little bit too. Uh, but they have an opening at third base. Joey Ortiz, his best skill is his fielding ability. He's a really slick fielder. He was probably the best offensive shortstop in the Orioles system 
at the time of the trade. They called him up for a little bit last year. They gave him time at second, some time at third. He could plug in at third and be a plus third baseman, I think, right away. Um, so he fills a hole for Milwaukee. He'll be in that mix. Nothing's guaranteed. The question for me comes down to the bat. One of the exciting things about Ortiz is that he has power. Like he had exit velocities. I think his 90th percentile was around 105 miles an hour for exit velocity. He topped out at like 115, 116. So it's in there. He just hit the ball on the ground too much when he hit it hard. His barrel rate was only like 2%. I think I'll take an, an infielder that has the power in him, and then you can try to work on the lift, try to elevate the ball more to tap into that. So the pieces are there for Joey Ortiz. Yes, he's on the old side at 25, but he's basically major league ready. And that's what the Brewers should be trying to get here. Like the NL Central is wide open. Bring in a guy who's basically major league ready. Dio hauls that too and plug them in and keep on moving. That's what the Brewers do. So both these guys, you feel opening day slide right into the major league roster. It, well, as I sit here right now, yeah. D.L. Hall, it's a bigger question on what his role could be. He could be a major league reliever right now, no problem. Um, it's I think they want him to be a starter, but the command is so scattershot that it's going to be tough to make that happen. But, you know, they're buying a guy who's got a fastball in the mid-90s, a really, really good slider, uh, a changeup that he's been working on for a while, and a curveball that flashes really good stuff plus metrics. So you you want to give him as long a leash as you can in the starting rotation. And that's, you know, take out one starter and put in a guy who could be there for five, six years. Again, that's what Milwaukee does. And then you have the pick, obviously. I mean, it's, who knows what the pick is going to be, but it's the pick. And it's i got to imagine this was a big part of the deal. And, you know, I think that what this is going to come back down to is with the Orioles, with the, it's this ownership group. We had on uh, our guy, Eric Arditi, on. Uh, he was who was like the the – the adrenaline and the um, the heart rate was going through the roof after the ownership change, like everybody else in Baltimore. But it's really about how you're going to allocate the money. So, okay, you made this move. I got to admit, it's, it's the, the extension stuff is going to be the whether they go full Anthopolis now with these guys. That's to me is going to be the most fascinating thing, and it's all different levels, right? Now you have you got to go right after Corbin Burns. What's it going to take? Okay, Jackson Holiday. I know you're a Boris guy. Oh, oh well, we're gonna put our best foot forward. But all of this is like this is the next level of of all of this, and 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 uh, so I mean I think that that's a big part of this, and I know that's sort of not what we're talking about with the prospects, but you know you're seeing it. You're seeing guys. You see guys who you're covering for MLB Pipeline all of a sudden getting extensions. You know this is this is a new world. It's not the yeah. world it was like a, like even five years ago. No, I mean, yeah, for five years ago, you were talking about these guys being young. They're controlled for a while. You just get them on the major league roster and then you, you know, let them sit there while they go until they get to arbitration. You, you just think about them as cheap options. Now teams are thinking like even Colt Keith with the Tigers the other day. Mm. Uh, he signed an extension. A lot of people thought it wasn't it was very team friendly. But I don't even think the Tigers talked to him about that five, ten years ago. Oh, no. They really like him. Yeah, they, that would not have even been on the table, even as team-friendly as it is. And I loved his quote afterwards. He was like, you know, listen, yes, did I leave a lot of money on the table? Sure. But maybe what happens here is I make a boatload of money anyway, and we go on and win multiple World Series titles because I'm here a long time. It was kind of a refreshing take, but th- these are things that even players are thinking about now, too. You see Jackson Churio get $82 million. If right. I'm Adley Rutschman or Gunnar Henderson – like 
Let's I mean, talk. The, Let's see what the number is. Sam, the longer you wait, the harder it is. And, and I've said yeah, this a million right. times. You know, Mookie yep. tell, told me that, that the first one's always the hardest one to turn down. And that's what Colt Keith probably said. You know, I'm like, how can I turn this down? Which anytime, I think there's three team options in that, which yeah. is God bless, God bless the Tigers for getting that. I don't care how young, when you get three team options in anything, it's, oh my goodness. There you right. go. I mean, but at the same time, hey, it's money. Good for you. And you're playing for the love of the game. Good for you, Cole Keith. Um, who is, before we move on to another uh, semi-big trade this week and the prospects that they were came back in return, um, when, to loop back to our favorite team uh, when it comes to MLB Pipeline, the Orioles, for you – we, I know you. We we talked had you on recently. Talked about Jackson Holiday starting spring training. Um, for you, other than Jackson Holiday, you would mention these other guys ahead of Joey Ortiz. For you, who is the guy that you think might pop this year in the major league level? Of those, for guys? the Orioles, yeah, for the Orioles. Um, I'm fascinated to see what they're going to do with Kobe Mayo um, because he's in that same bucket, right? He's got he plays third base. He's played some first base. He has a really, really strong arm. It gets plus-plus grades. He has the best power of anybody in that system, and, and that's saying something. Like, Heston Kerstad has really good power as well. Uh, Jackson Holiday, he's worked on strength. He's trying to add power. But Kobe Mayo is 65 to 70-grade power. It's it's certainly in there for him. And he, it shows up in games. He hits the ball hard. Now, where do they play him? Do they start getting him more time at first? Like, how are they going to move all these guys around? Like, does Gunnar Henderson get time at set, shortstop and Jackson Holiday at second? And then you get Kobe Mayo at third. Jordan Westberg's banging around here, too. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how he's kind of a fit. Because Heston Kerstad also has some time at first base. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if they keep these guys around just in case there's a deadline deal still. Or maybe the Orioles aren't done. I mean, there, there are still some guys who are some rough fit, fits here. The... uh yeah, well, to come back to what you said, I mean, there you go through it. It's like Joey Ortiz. It, I mean, this is the dream scenario for the Orioles, which is, all right, we know we have this excess here. We know we have this excess of value. So how can we use it? And we can use it to get what everybody knew, knew that they needed, which is a top of the rotation ace guy. All right, Polanco trade. What do you got? What do you feel? Like, like same Same question. Got a reaction when you heard this. Yeah, I mean, when this trade went down, the the fact that they got Gabriel Gonzalez, the Twins did from the Mariners in that deal, I was a little surprised. I, I thought that was that was a good prospect get uh, for the Twins. He's a top 100 guy for us. I know there's some split opinions out there. Last year, he did really well at single A, got it to high A, and was a little bit more challenged. He chases out of the zone a little bit more. I think that was him just being anxious at the high A level. But the guy batted 348 last year as a 19-year-old at single-A Modesto, which I believe was the highest average uh, by a teenager at that level. Um, so the guy the guy has an understanding of finding the barrel of where to hit it. He's probably going to be a left fielder at, in the end, and you need him to show more power. But again, he's still super young. Like The Twins are getting him at a good time. He's failed a little bit, so he knows like he needs to adjust things. So you can adjust him in that mold. And you can try to squeeze a little bit more power out of them. It's a really fascinating outfield mix now for the Twins because they got Walker Jenkins, their first-round pick last year, and Emmanuel Rodriguez, who's a very toolsy outfielder as well. Add Gabriel Gonzalez to that mix, and the Twins 
who you know should be competing right now kind of retool their system. They don't they're not in a rebuild by any means by picking this this guy up. So you like the twin you like the twins side of that more than anything. I thought they did pretty well. I I mean the Mariners got slightly better by getting Jorge Polanco and that that's good and Jerry Depoto is always going to be willing to trade prospects. So it just seemed to work out pretty well there for them to get a second baseman. Um, but when I heard Polanco was being traded, I didn't think somebody like Gonzalez would necessarily be on the table in a deal that big. And he was. So that's a that's a good get for Minnesota. Well, well let me ask you this along those lines. Uh, recently, there's been murmurs about the Mariners being involved in Dylan Cease. And um, which anytime you hear the Mariners involved in anything, you never discount it ever. If because you know, everyone's talking about Cease, about oh the asking price is too much. I think there was a video recently of Alex Anthopoulos, like a fan yelling, "Dylan Cease," yeah. and he's like, "We tried, too expensive, you know." And but you know, you never say never. Are the Mariners positioned in terms of, in your eyes, uh, their farm system positioned to potentially pull something like that off? I mean, they could. Um, it would. I don't want to say it would decimate their system, but they have some interesting names. Like Colt Emerson has a massive arrow pointed up next to his name. Cole Young's a really good middle infielder. Harry Ford, a lot of people got to know through the World Baseball Classic. So they have three top 100 prospects right there. It might take two of them um, based off what it sounds like the package for Cease would be, plus one of their young starters, like a Brian Wu or a Bryce Miller. Yeah. That's a lot to pay for Dylan Cease, who like I really like, and I was I've been waiting for him to pop. And again, you get him for multiple years, unlike Corbin Burns. Is Dylan Cease an ace, though? I, I don't know. And I, I don't would, know. I, I would... I'm, a, I'm a Dylan Cease guy, not only because he's come on the podcast multiple times, but I'm a Dylan Cease guy. I think I'm intrigued. Obviously, two years ago, not last year, but the year before, he was he was an ace, right? He was yeah, an ace. Yeah, right, right. Last year, he took a turn, but I think he's a very smart, athletic guy who um who is gonna figure things out i mean again who knows i don't know but i i if for me i like i like him and and and, you know like conversely sam you know i i don't blame the white Sox for asking for a ton for him there's no question but i remember what you know they a lot of teams tried to get cease at the deadline last year and the asking price was it was like ridiculous it was teams just weren't going to do it and um, and I know that for the, for instance, for the Red Sox, part of the package that they were asking for was Brian Bayo. And they're like, well, we wouldn't trade Bayo for C straight up. Why would we do a bigger deal? Right. Um, and that's, and that's, I, I get that thinking. Like, I get that thinking. But if you're, I, I never put anything past Jerry DePoto. That's, I guess that's what I come back to. Yeah. I mean, they, like I said, they, they have the pieces to pull it off. Um, they could give up two of Cole Young, Harry Ford, or, or Colt Emerson. It would just be a worse farm system at a time where, like, I don't know, the Mariners need to I- increase it. But I'd much rather see if Brian Wu or Bryce Miller can jump a level this season myself. Mm-hmm. Like, they're guys you developed. They're guys you have liked for a while. And they're controllable longer and cheaper than Dylan Cease right now. Like, give those guys – the options as long as you can before you start trying to pull off blockbusters, but they could do it if they want. I think. Yeah. It's crazy. We're talking February. I mean, it's February and, and we're talking about trades that are made are happening. And I mean, we are I mean, obviously free agency, but like the, this it's, it's nuts. I mean, there's, there's guys who are legitimately like Corbin Burns was one of them. Dylan Cease is another 
who are just sitting there saying, I, where am I going in spring training? What's happening? Yeah, it's, right. Yeah. And, or just like some of these free agents, the, uh, you know, we talk about Seattle needing a starter. You know, it's from Washington is Blake Snell. He's still oh, sitting there. I know. He, he would love to go back. He he did like the 12th man flag at the Seahawks I, game. I'm sure he's just waiting for that phone to ring from Jerry. DePo- I don't oh, think they're going to give him the years or the money, but like, yeah, it's just something I keep coming back to with Blake Snell. He's yeah. He's also got the little league team there, whatever it is. So I know it's like the little the Snellzillas or whatever they are. Oh yeah, the travel team that he's the travel about. team. Yeah. yeah, not the little league. How dare I? Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, Sam. There's nobody better. Nobody better. Like this is is like it's basically like you. I'm calling for you in the most crucial time. You're coming out of the bullpen and you just struck out the side. Excellent job. Well, thanks so much for having me, Brett. Uh, Rob, this is always so much fun.